Hey, everybody. Welcome in. Thanks for joining us. I'm James Adams. He's Skeeter Robinson, and he's Skylar Dombrowski. We're going with a three-man podcast today, and this is the My Fantasy Fix, Fantastics My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast. And, well, we're bringing an extra person because it's U.S. Open week. It's time for the national championship, and uh, I'll throw it to both of you. Skeeter, I'll throw it to you first before we go back to Tory Pines for the summertime edition there. Uh, what are we taking from the Palmetto Championship at Congaria? Course we hadn't seen before, and I guess on top of what do we take from it? How much should we take from it? Since I assume that we'll be back in Ontario and Toronto next year for this tournament, so uh, I'll throw that to you, Skeeter. Yeah, um, I wouldn't mind seeing another tournament at Congaria. I kind of like that course. Um, Did you know, kind of. I mean, was eleven under and just kind of the the meltdown, like the fact that they they change yardage, like. What, I mean, there were like 90-yard swings from day to day on some holes, but when they don't have designated tee boxes, that's the way it is. Um, mm. I love, you know, again, another South Carolina course, all those sandy areas like your favorite course, Kiowa, just hey, was kind of fun to watch. Yeah, I, I knew I could get a reaction out of you for that one. But, <laughs> but man, I had Dustin Johnson everywhere, and, oh, I need, you know, boy, if he, avoid, you know, if he avoids that triple on Sunday, he's going to play off, and... If he does anything on Saturday, he probably wins. But you know, uh, your boy, your new, your newfound guy Higo, all the way through here, James. I came real close to betting him, and I was like, you know what? I don't know if the return's good enough for a guy who's just <laughs> making his first, I guess, first PGA Tour start, right? Second start in the states, and. I had a buddy text me, the same buddy I always talk to you uh, about. We talk about lineups, and he's like, "I played this Higo guy. I don't even know who he is." And I'm like, "Dude, I almost bet him." Good play. Uh, I, I'm not so sure he wins it. And so I, I don't know if I can claim him as my guy. I had him in lineups. I think, you know what, the real the real painful part of all of this, Skeeter, is I only did five lineups. I didn't join you last week. I did listen to your podcast, and I think the idea was we're not really sure what the heck's going on, so let's lay low a little bit with our funds. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. Every time I kept like getting to a Higo lineup, I didn't have enough money left to play somebody I wanted, and I think it was uh, I'd take out Higo, go down to Lucas Glover. Boy, did that work out well. And uh, so – I had three, I set five lineups, three, one of six, two, two of six. I was horrible. Uh, Lucas Glover back on the ban list, and unfortunately I <laughs> took Higo out of lineups a oh, lot last week no. while I was constructing. So, yeah. Well, I, I cashed. I had a, my, my lone lineup was five of six. Uh, Rafa was my lone uh, bum. But, yeah, it's just, it was a week where I was like, I'm not playing Glover. I'm not playing um, – Vincent Whaley, a couple of those other chalky guys, and it kind of worked. I mean, 6 of 6 was like 1 or 2%, and 5 of 6 was like under 10%, but, you know, I had a 5 of 6. Somebody had a 6 of 6 on this uh, show. <laughs> well, Sky, why don't you tell us about it? We obviously know it wasn't me. I had so much Terrell Hatton this week, and nice. he came so close to oh. really paying off. I ended up, like, breaking even for the week, but I did have a 6 of 6 with Redmond and Hatton. Nice. And, and, I mean, that could have been very, very different if Higo didn't jump up there right at the end. Uh, I would have liked seeing Higo down to 10. I had Johnny Vegas at the book at 66 to 1, so I still cashed the top six on him. But, yeah, I wouldn't have minded uh, 10 being a playoff, and we could have, uh, I don't know, maybe still been watching it because it would have been seven wide if, uh, yeah, right? if Higo was 10 under. But <laughs> Did you see the Hatton quote, uh, video clip from last week? Yeah. Uh... 
I forget what hole it was. He was waiting for the green to clear. He hits it, and he's just like, oh, yeah, this is why I wait for the green to clear. Like, he missed it by, like, 30 yards in, in typical hat and fashion. Just like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he apparently dropped an F-bomb or something, and the, the announcer goes, well, I apologize for our microphones being so good. Uh, I did see that. Yeah, typical Tyrrell Hatton. I love him, dude. But yeah, he's like, he's like, boy, that was worth waiting for. Yeah, he's the best. <laughs> he really is. I love that Trevor Immelman's kind of alerted people to it too, because he'll make comments like, "I there was, I don't know if it was this week uh, or last week where Trevor was like, uh, leave the camera on him, leave the camera on him, because he could just tell he was about to blow a gasket." Uh, so I, I'm with you, Scott. I love some Tyrrell Hatton, and he is he's an honorary member of the Adams uh, household here. If you oh, uh, fantastic, along with James Frederick Webb Simpson and uh, Charlie the Seagull Hoffman, just so you're up to pace here. Perfect, uh, Trevor Immelman. I I can listen. I can listen to him probably talk half an hour on some subject I could care less about. I just love when he talks. He's so informative, and just his tone is just like oh, I could listen to him talk all day. Dude. that way about David Faraday. Oh, I love Faraday. Oh, yes. I'm listening. Is Colt Nost has kind of taken over the reins as the new David Faraday, I think. I think yeah. Colt Nost, Trevor Emmerman, uh, Terry Gannon, give me that group. Dude, I don't need the the Faldos or the the uh, uh, Zingers of the world, personally. I'm with you. I don't mind Faldo. Um, He's the yeah. curmudgeon. He is, dude. Oh, I yeah. mean, I just want to see him and Phil Mickelson fist fight at this point. <laughs> Oh no, Faldo's wiry. And I, I was glad that Phil got a six for that reason too, because of him and him and Faldo's beef they had. But anyway, so is that the undercard to Brooks and Bryson? Then that sounds like a good thing to do. That would that would be the warm up fight right there. It it would have to be because they're both going to need to be in bed before the Brooks Bryson fight hits the second (laughs) round. Are you kidding? Phil's not going to bed. He's he's hustling everybody for money. Yeah, you're probably right about that. (laughs) Uh, Well, so. I, I think we'll take some of that, like Tyrrell Hatton's play, into uh, this week at the U.S. Open. At least I'm probably going to. But is there anything else we're taking from Congaree moving forward for this week? And, you know, who knows if we'll ever uh, we'll ever get to see it again here in the PGA Tour. Uh, impressive run by Bo Van Pelt for, like, his first term in five years. And he, ne- he nearly won it. So, like, that's pretty impressive. Sky, anything else you got from uh, Congaree and the Palmetto Championship before we take it to the National Championship? I mean, honestly, the thing was Hatton for me because uh, I think I actually played him a decent amount because people seem like they might be scared off of him a little because some comments he made earlier before the tournament where he's like, yeah, I have no clue where my game is right now. It's kind of a mess. So I was like, oh, yeah, well, this could be great. And then you watch him play and he actually, what do you have, three Eagles? He played great. He so was- I feel much better about him now than I did going in. I actually feel good about him this week too. I think he led the field tee to green last week. Um, yeah, he gained four. Yeah, he gained fifth, fourteen and a half strokes tee to green. Lost three strokes putting. Wow. I think I'll be using him again this week. But uh, before we get to that, because he's way down there in the eight Ks, Skeeter, are we ready to talk a little Tory Pines? Yes, sir. Well, it's the U.S. Open, and it's uh, a site we see annually for the Farmers Insurance Open, and that takes place in, is that in February? Is that uh, January, I think. January? January, yeah. Okay, because I was looking at my U.S. Open bets that I've made, and they were made in February, so I just assumed that was the day after the Farmers when I was uh, completely overreacting. <laughs> you know, remember, <laughs> so, first week of February is always the best because, it's remember, it's Phoenix going into the Super Bowl. That's right. It's wasted management, one I, I do enjoy. 
so okay, so it'll be a it'll be a much different layout. I'm not layout per se, but a much different course with the weather change. Um, I guess. I mean, what what are you expecting to be different here? And I guess the first time we've seen a major at Torrey Pines since 2008. Is that correct? Yep the the epic Rocco Tiger playoff. Okay, so so what do we? What do we expect here this uh, this year in 2021? Well, it's, it's going to play as a par 71, so they made the six hole, which is a par five usually. That's going to be a par four, but everything else, um, they're going to play for the back tees most of the time, like especially I think 13 is the the downhill par five for the uphill green. Um, the rough will be up a little bit. Greens will be really fast. I mean, it's POA, so you know, it could be some unpredictability with that. Um one thing I did hear was um, Paul Tesori, the the caddy for Webb Simpson, he was on with the tour junkies, and he thought that he had heard something, maybe seeing it where the USGA might react to last year, because remember, remember last year's all the bombers, Bryson, Wolf, things like that, that they might try to make the rough a little heavier the closer you get to the green or in those landing areas, like 300-plus yards to... Say, all right, if you want to bomb and gouge, that's fine, but um, it's going to be a lot deeper rough than if you were to miss it from 280 yard, you know, 280 yard drive off the tee. So I don't know if they're going to do that, but that's an interesting tidbit that he threw out there. Like that might try to prevent Bryson from just spraying it all over the place and being able to hit wedge everywhere. That would certainly be good for uh, Webb Simpson, his player, right? I would think so, but I don't know if the rough really matters for Webb because he usually finds enough fairways. But yeah, hey. we can the competition. That's a solid point about one James Frederick Webb Simpson. I, I shouldn't badmouth him here um, at all, and think he would miss a fairway. So, all right, that'll be interesting, Skeeter. I saw the uh, I saw the uh, video that was going around online about the ball disappearing in the rough when someone was dropping it, and this is before, assuming they haven't cut it yet. You know, we'll see what they do between now and then. But um, is this? It was not in 2008, at least it wasn't for Tiger and Rocco. Is this going to be a course where we're worried about, you know, everybody going sideways? Because Bryson was good last year, but if I'm not mistaken, Wolf came in second at even par. No one was under par but Bryson last year, right? Correct. And is that, I mean, can you even speculate as to how crazy it's going to be? And it doesn't matter when picking a player how crazy it's going to be. Um, maybe as far as, like, I, one of the stats I'm looking at this week is double bogey avoidance. Like, I have bogey avoidance, but I'm trying to find, try to avoid the doubles. You might see some sideways play here on um, this. The roughest Kakuya, which is also what you see at Riviera, and sometimes I think the ball can just bury in it. Sometimes you can get a really good lie, and, you know, potentially something to think about is uh, the South Africans, they also are familiar with playing Kakuya, so, um, maybe a bump up to all your South African players, but... Yeah, I think there will be some lies where you might just have to advance at 40 yards in the fairway and hope you get up and down for par. Anything – well, what else? You said you're looking at double bogey avoidance. What what else are you looking at before we get into uh, into the field? Yeah, I mean, tee to green. Driving distance especially. If you look back at Torrey Pines winners, even U.S. Open winners, recently they tend to be big bombers of the golf ball or, or you better be a really good iron player from 200-plus yards like – there's a reason Webb Simpson and Zach Johnson always seem to be in the top 20 U.S. Opens. Scrambling approach. Par 4s from 450 to 500. I think that's for most of the par 4s range. And then, you know, for me, if I'm looking for points, I'm, I'm looking at DraftKings scoring just because I think the position points are going to play a huge deal in, in these low-score majors. So I'd, I'd rather look at that than birdies are better. 
Sky, anything you've got to add to that before we get into the field? Well, I think Skeeter's right. I mean, he mentioned almost all the categories because the U.S. Open is traditionally like the ultimate test of golf. Mm-hmm. You can't spray the ball around. You've got to be accurate with your irons. The greens are usually not really receptive. So you've got to be able to scramble. You've got to be able to get up and down. And with the POA greens, you've got to be a really sound putter. It's a complete test of golf. And I think I'm probably looking at, if I had one stat that I'm looking at the most, I do like the double bogey avoidance. But I think for me, it's, it's uh, strokes gained off the tee. And I think that that's probably the biggest thing this week is a combination of distance and accuracy off the tee is going to put you in those positions where you can score. And I like it. Do we have anything else we want to get into before we get into the field, fellas? I have one thing here. It's just a reminder for the U.S. Open. It's top 60 in ties that make the cut. So it's going to be a tough – if you get 6-6 six six through, you might be live because it's going to be tough, with, uh, especially if it ends up, uh, you know, if, if the cut is 61 players. That's going to be really tough to get all six through, especially with the volatility that a U.S. Open brings. Well, let's go ahead and let's get into the field. It is the U.S. Open, Tory Pines, and we're going to start at the 10K plus tier, and we're going to start with a guy with a good course history here. It's John Rahm at 11-2, Jordan Spieth 10-9, Dustin Johnson 10-7, Bryson DeChambeau, the defending champ, 10-4, and Brooks Kepka's got a pair of them himself, 10-1. Heck, John Rahm's the only one without a U.S. Open trophy here in this 10K plus territory. Skeeter, I'll start with you. Who's your favorite out of these five? Not that it takes much for Dustin Johnson to be my favorite, but I'm going to go right back to him. Um, yeah, he had a bad, he had some bad stretches on the weekend, but he easily could have just, especially after that rough round on Saturday, Sunday, he bogeys the first hole. It was like, oh boy, this might be the end of him. He fought back and was was right there until he just had a triple bogey meltdown on, I think, 15. That kind of ruined his weekend. But he gained it all fast in the game, off the tee approach, putting around the green, and we kind of see this out of DJ when he starts kind of getting close. That means there's a probably a big win that's coming for him. Uh, he's number one in my model over the past 50 rounds, second tee to green, fifth in distance, third in bogey avoidance, sixth in proximity for 200-plus yards, top five, par four, 450 to 500. So he fits he fits all the ranges I'm looking at. Probably isn't going to rate the best in short-term models, but again, it's Dustin Johnson, a major. He's got a good U.S. Open history at 10-7. I have no problem going back there and hoping that maybe he gets a slight discount because people remember his weekend at Palmetto. Sky, what about you? Uh, who's your favorite in 10K plus? I actually like this entire tier to have a U.S. Open by the end of this weekend. I think that uh, yes, sir. You know, John Rahm, I was a little worried with the the, uh, the COVID withdrawal and how long it would take him, but he ended up only being out about a week. So that's perfectly fine. I don't think that bumps him down at all for me. And, you know, I said strokes gained off the tees, what I'm going to look at the most. And he's behind Bryson and Sergio Garcia this year, and that's it. And I think he's primed for a win. I think he's he's probably the most hungry of all these guys. I like him this week. I am with you, Sky. Uh, we'll get into betting as we go through this. I see him right now at 10 to 1 at the book I go to. I'll probably get my mom. I'll influence her to make that bet because I like to go with a little bit longer odds, and she usually bets a favorite. She always bets a favorite. But it's John Rahm for me, too. The course history here is excellent. If you want to talk about a guy who was absolutely poised to win what isn't a major, but the memorial has got to be like top ten when you're talking about tournaments to win with Jack hosting it, et cetera, et cetera, the, 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 the field, the place, John Rahm had that taken right out of his hands 
it is John Rom time. I have been saving John Rom in my one and done for the entirety of this season. I worried slightly about whether or not it was going to be my pick. He's already been made my pick this week. John Rahm is my favorite as well. He's winning this bad boy. The question is, who do you build around him? Can you afford him? Because he's got to win it at this price. Yeah, definitely. Skeeter, have we hit your number two? Who's your second behind DJ? No, it's Rahm's my number two. Um, has played really well at Torrey. Has won here. He feels due for a U.S. Open. This just seems to fit. Um Fourth tee to green, first in double bogey avoidance, thirteenth in bogey avoidance, fifth in approximately for two hundred plus yards. It just, I, I don't know because I'm only gonna play three lineups this week. I don't know if I get him, get to him. Like I might just start with DJ or maybe start some into nine Ks. But he makes a lot of sense. I have no problem with anybody using Rom here. Sky, if you go with somebody else or if you fit two in your lineup, who else do you like here in this tier for number two? You know, Skeeter and I were talking about this earlier. There are just a, there are a couple guys that seem like they have a switch that they can flip when they feel like it. And obviously, you know who I'm talking about. Brooks Kepka is that guy. His stats aren't great. He doesn't he doesn't really look like a class player if you're just looking at the numbers. But he just always shows up in major tournaments. And I like he's got the distance. He's you know the driving accuracy is a little questionable, but. He's just such a solid player when the money's down that he's my second choice this week of that group. I considered him. Um, I mean, you want to talk about flipping a switch. Look at his recent play. Miscut, second at the PGA. Miscut, miscut. I mean, the dude legit. Second at the workday, uh, first at waste management. I mean, there's a lot of miscuts, ones and twos there. I'm going with DJ, though. The price is nice for Dustin Johnson. He was playing really good until he had a hiccup. I mean, the tournament was kind of on a platter for him in his home state of South Carolina just yesterday. But he kind of he, he just what I think he when he didn't eagle or at least have an eagle opportunity on that drivable par four late in the round that submarine what he had going. But it's got to be DJ number two for me too. Skeeter, let's talk about a fade. You got three choices left. Who are you fading out of this tier? I mean, I don't know if I really want to fade anybody, but. I guess I'm going to go Bryson. I mean, obviously distance is a big plus here. He's a defending U.S. Open champion. I'm not worried about that. He's 139th in fairways gained, and if they are building up the rough for this for these bombers, I think that's trouble for him because he does seem to struggle with his wedges a little bit. He's 0 for 2 at Torrey Pines. I'm not overly concerned about that because this will be different, but even as the U.S. Open history, if you look outside the win, 15th, 25th, 35th, two missed cuts, I don't know, just that combination of history at the U.S. Open and slight Torrey Pines and the fact that, you know, he might not be able to bomb and gouge like he did last year. I think he's my fade, but again, it's not a real definitive fade. Sky, who are you fading here? I'm, you know, sadly, I'm fading Jordan Spieth. Um, this is more of a hunch than any sort of numbers play, really, although you could find numbers to back it up. But, man, I mean, it just seems like he's become a little bit fragile mentally. And we all know in the U.S. Open, you're going to have some backsliding. You're going to move backwards at times. And it just feels like he puts so much pressure on himself when the the wheels can come off completely, where he's just lost and throwing his hands up in the air and complaining about every shot. And I can just totally see a situation like that come about where he has a couple rough holes and he's muttering to himself. He's in the mumble tank the whole time. So that's my guy. The mumble tank. That's funny. Uh, that's my fade, too. 
like Skeeter and I had been fading Jordan forever <laughs> until the resurgence hit. Here's the thing, though. I'm looking at the odds, and Jordan is mispriced when you look at the odds. I know it's not a great difference. He's like fifth in the uh, odds as opposed to second in the pricing here at DraftKings. But for me, 10-9, I got 10-7, I got 10-1, I got 9-7 once we get there before I'm paying 10-9 for Jordan Spieth. So the price, just way too prohibitive. If he was 10-1, maybe he's not my fate here, but at 10-9, it's just not happening. So Jordan's my fate as well. Yep, makes total sense. Let's. I, I feel bad for you too, Sky, because uh, Skeeter said you've been doing really good, and now if you're agreeing with me on two of the three there, that's trouble <laughs> for you. I, I do or it. Go the other way around. Could be. It could be. I'm. Uh, I, I. I guess I did finally win some money at a major in the Masters, so we'll see. Um, I hope you're right. Let's take it to nine K. Let's go with Rory McIlroy at nine nine, Justin Thomas nine seven, Colin Morikawa nine five, Xander Schauffele the native of San Diego, 9-3. Victor Hovland, 9-2. Patrick Cantley, 9-1. Patrick Reed, 9K even. Skeeter, I'll go with you again here first. Who's your favorite play here in the in the 9Ks? I don't have a favorite play. Like, I have a few that I like, but I don't exactly have a favorite. Um, if I did, I'm just, I guess I'm just going to go back to Victor Hovland. Um, just elite ball striker. Second, he's second in my fifty round model. Sixth bogey avoidance, eighth proximity from two hundred plus yards, third in DraftKings scoring. Like he'll make birdies and he'll place high enough to do that. So, I think he'll be somewhat popular at ninety two hundred. But, I mean, his TD Green game's so good. Hopefully, his putter shows up a little bit. Um, I, he's, I guess, he's my favorite. But again, I have like four guys starred that I don't know how I'm going to narrow it down quite yet. You get to a major, you get some studs in 9K. Heck, we're going to have some studs in, in 8K. Uh, so I hear you. Sky, what about you? Who's your favorite in the 9K tier? It just seems so obvious to me, but I think it's got to be Shoffley. I mean, he's probably my second overall pick to win. He just he hits the target in every single category you're looking at. He's like top 40. He's a local kid, loves the course. Style of play will suit him. It just seems like a little bit of a misprice, to be honest, at 93 for me. Um, I, I, I really do like him as a possible winning bet this week, but his odds are pretty low, too. He's Brooks Kepka light is what yes. uh, many people have referred to him as, as the big game hunter type. Uh, what's interesting is he's 14 to 1 where I'm looking. Brooks is 18 to 1. So basically he's 14 to 1, uh, second behind Rom with a couple other guys, yet the pricing at 9,300 is very low. He had struggled at Torrey Pines. While he he has a long history there, he had struggled there, and it was kind of a an anomaly. People couldn't understand it. He did make the cut and played fairly well there. He plays well as well. Sky, that's my favorite play in 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 nine K too, nine uh, K also. And and to be fair, I'll go ahead and give my second since it's one we just talked about anyway. It's Victor Hovland is my number two. He makes a ton of sense to me. I like both of those guys a lot here. Uh, so that's my one. That's my two. Skeeter, who's your number two here in this 9K tier? I mean, it probably is Xander, but I'll you know, go right up there, too, is Morikawa at 9,500. I mean, if we're talking about somebody who's going to hit every fairway, you, you know, he's already won a major in California on the West Coast. I mean, he's number one tier green, number one in approach, second par four from 4,500. Of course, the, the issue with Morikawa is, will his putter actually show up? And it showed up at, at Memorial... He gained five strokes putting, and his, I mean, you have to go back to the Northern Trust the last time he didn't gain on approach. So his irons have just been fire, and I think that really does work. His, short, his around the green game isn't, isn't terrible. 
Poa, sometimes it's a slower surface, so maybe that'll help with the putting. But I think Morikawa makes a lot of sense at 9,500. Sky, what about you? Number two play for you at 9K. I really wanted to go with uh, everybody's favorite person to hate, but um, I'm a skeeter. I really think it's Morikawa, and it's funny because I don't hear a lot of people talking about him so far this week relative to the rest of that first group of 15 guys. But Morikawa is number one in strokes gain approach. He's number one in greens and regulation. Absolutely stuff that's critical for U.S. Open type uh, type play. I think he's a great play in that top tier, and I think the ownership might be a little lower than one might think, given his pedigree. Not a San Diegan, but he is a uh, Californian, so somewhat of a local as well. Um, I don't, I don't like or dislike Morikawa. I'm with you. He's a, he's a, a solid play. Let's go to our fades. I'll start with my fade is Rory McIlroy. Again, it comes down to the pricing. I mean, I'm not going to pay more for Rory than I am for JT. I'm not going to play more for Rory right now than I would for Xander or Hovland. I mean, obviously, Rory's won the U.S. Open, and he's capable of winning another one. But for me right now, uh, he's just not the guy. And besides, Rory, if I'm not mistaken, really not a great course history here. Oh, that's an absolute uh, falsehood there. He's actually got a great course history here. Um but I just can't play Rory right now, and I'm not paying 99 when JT is 97, even if JT's not like playing great and not my guy right now. So that's my fade. Uh, Skeeter, where are you? Fa- who are you fading here? I'm fading Thomas. Um, okay. He just doesn't seem to be in the right form right now. Like Ever since one of the players, I mean, he's 21st, 13th, 26th, but the last three tournaments, missed to the PGA, 40th at Schwab, 42nd Memorial. His putter just kind of lets him down from time to time. He's okay on POA, but something just seems off with him. And and I'm just... The price is really attractive. Like, I can't fault anybody for doing it. I just... He just seems to be playing the worst out of anybody in this tier. So, I'm not going to play him. Hard to argue with that. He's definitely not played good the last couple of months. Uh, Sky, what about you? Who are you fading here? I'm with both you guys. I'm fading Rory and JT. Probably, I'll probably do about a dozen lineups, and I don't think either of them will will show up in any one of them. JT is just double bogey avoidance. He's one of the worst in the field. Uh, driving accuracy is like 53% now. I mean, these are going to be problems. And Rory's right there with him at 54%. You know, they just, they hit, they spray the ball around too much anymore. They have not been reliable off the tee, and I really think that's going to be critical this week. Let's take it to 8K. Uh, a tasty tier, if you ask me, when it comes to uh, U.S. Open time. And you get that. We'll start with Tony Finau, 89, Hideki's 88, James Frederick Webb Simpson, 87, Will Zalatoris, 86, Scotty Scheffler, 85, Berger, 84, Tyrrell Hatton, 83, Corey Connors, 82, Louis Oosthuizen, 81, the vampire Justin Rose, and the beautifully mulleted Cam Smith, 8K even <laughs> each. Sky, I'll start with you this time. Your favorite play out of this nice group of 8K players. I, you know, I think we all have like one guy that we just absolutely adore and we'll always try to slam him into lineups whenever we can. And for me, that guy's Tony Finau. He just, he's so smooth. He gets on these runs where it's like, if he doesn't birdie, you're like, wow, what happened? I mean, he was, he was right there, six feet away. He's, he's a streaky putter, but can be great. Hits the ball a ton. Can get up and down from anywhere. I like Finau the best in that tier. Hard to argue with Tony Finau. I have a bet on him. I'm very happy to say at 33 to one and where I'm looking, he's 20 to one now. So finally a future I made that looks good. Uh, we'll see if we'll see how that comes to fruition. He does play well here. Skeeter. What about you? Who's your favorite Nate cat here? I mean, I, I can get a guy at 33 to one for $800 cheaper. And I can't believe I'm about to utter these words out of my mouth. My favorite place, Louis Oosthuizen. <laughs> 
Like he's not he's not going to withdraw, Skeeter. You don't have to worry about it. It's okay. There's too much money on the table at a major, and Louis does well at majors. It's okay. Speaking of switch flipping. Oh God! I mean, he withdrew, <laughs> he withdrew Bell Reef because I had him that week. So you know that's probably where I've had some uh, history there. But no, um, gosh, again, the guy doesn't win. I guess neither is Finau, but. But man, look when you look at his history at Torrey Pines, uh, 29th and 41st, so not great. It's okay. But when you look at his U.S. Open history, this is where he just shines. I mean, he's got six to- straight top 25s of the U.S. Open. Three of those are top 10s. A second, uh, and he was third last year. I didn't even realize he was third last year. Um, just rates out so well in all the stats I'm looking at. Um, scrambling, bogey avoidance, double bogey avoidance, putting... Like, and again, there's that narrative of if this is Kakuya grass, he's grown up, he's used to doing it, so he can scramble from there. E100, he just kind of feels safe, and I was kind of disappointed when he opened at 33-1, to because I was hoping he was going to be around 50. I was ready to do that. Yeah, and it, 33 is a bit of a low number for him uh, lately in, in big major fields like this, but, you know, he, he competes in majors, and he was pretty good the last one out, so I'm going with Tyrrell Hatton. Um, I mean, look, I, I like the guy. I, I cashed a nice ticket when he won the API a few, uh, well, I say a few years ago, I guess it was in 2020 pre coronavirus. So it feels like a few years ago. I love Tyrrell Hatton. We talked about him pre pre show here. Sky likes him. We talked about him during the show. Sky had a ton of them last week and it paid off good. I'm going back to the well with Tyrrell Hatton. I mean, I, I, I love cheering for the guy and watching him anyway, but Tyrrell Hatton can play tough. He's a little bit mentally unstable, and maybe that's what it takes to win a U.S. Open as a guy who can snap on himself and then flip the switch right back into I'm cool mode. So give me Tyrrell Hatton, a guy who has finished six at the U.S. Open a couple of years ago. No history here at Torrey Pines, but you know what? He didn't have any history at Conger either where he finished T2. No, Hatton's my number two. In fact, I, he, I bet him at 33-1. to one. Where'd you, you you said you saw feet out at 33 no, that's the bet I made in uh, February. Oh, okay. I see my yeah, I see my 23 now. And I remember, Skeeter, you said, well, it's not like that number's going to go down. And I go, sure it is. If he wins, that number's going to be 14 to 1. Well, he hasn't won. And in fact, he hasn't even played that great. But here he is, uh, not 33 to 1. So I, that was, you can find that if you jump into your DeLorean, Skeeter, and go back to February and you can make that bet. Uh, no, I'm okay with my one February bet, which you and I both have. We'll get to that next year. Um, Sky, who you got as a number two here? Yeah, I'm with Hatton, too. I, I think he's probably the next choice in that tier for all the reasons that we've all mentioned already. He's he's volatile, but, man, for 8,300, he looks much steadier to me than most of the guys in that area, with the possible exception of Louie. Price is amazing for him. I'm going to go with Tony as my number two. I could very easily go Webb Simpson. I'll, I'm a 10 lineup kind of guy. Hell, I think I've already uh, reserved ten, four of them, five of them. Webb's going to be in one of my lineups, too. He's my number three. Uh, Webb will be in a couple lineups, but I got to say Tony's my number two. I mean, he just plays so good all the time in majors. He's got a great course history, so I'll go Tony as my number two, but I will certainly get Webb. And let's face it, I'll probably start a lineup that goes Tony, Webb, Tyrrell, Louie, and then see what I've got left. Might even yeah. get Cam Smith in that one. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I, by the way, I did I did win book, the book open, and he's still there. I did bet Hideki at forty to one. He's got a good U.S. Open history, good history at Torrey Pines. He lost nine and a half strokes putting last time he played, so 
if the ball striking is there and he can have any semblance of putting, I think he's live. But maybe it's a better bet than DraftKings boy. All right, let's go to our fades. And, Sky, I'll start with you again in this tier. Who are you fading in 8K? I'm actually going to fade Cam Smith. I, you know, I love his game. I love the kid. But off the tee, he's just not good. Like, he doesn't hit it as far as the Bombers. That's true. And he's not as accurate as the short guys. So I just think it's kind of a bad mix for this particular setup. Okay. I, I like his ability to scramble here if he misses greens. But... Uh, I mean, I'm not going to be shocked if he's not doesn't do well. I, I do have a bad history of cheering for guys I like and put them in my lineups. And Cam Smith is, with that beautiful mullet, a guy I like. Skeeter, who you fading in AK? Same guy, Cam Smith, for the same reasons that Sky mentioned. Just If you're going to miss fairways, you better be able to drive it long, and he just doesn't. And He's a great scrambler, so you know, that can help him a little bit, but at some point that's going to catch up to you at a, at a U.S. Open, so... I think I would just rather pay a couple hundred more for Hatton or a hundred more for Louie. So no Cam Smith for me. I want to fade the vampire, but you know, I can't do it. Uh, he's been kind of decent. I won't play him Justin Rose, but I, I can't, can't say he's a fade when he played so well in the masters. And then again at the PGA, I guess I'm fading Corey Connors. I mean, he's got the distance, but I don't know. I still look at like Daniel Berger and Scotty Scheffler is guys that are just like a better pedigree than Corey Connors. And maybe that's my own um, misconception, but uh, those are kind of the bottom feeders for me along with the the vampire, and it's Corey Connors for me. Uh, Connors actually is not a distance guy. He, he's actually accurate as hell. Fifth in fairways gain, so he's actually one who will probably hit every fairway. He's just not going to hit it real far. Okay. All right. Well. But I, I, I'm with you. I actually thought for a while that he was a more of a bomber, but he's actually more of a accuracy guy. All right. Well, I'm gonna have to, uh, I'm gonna have to go back to the drawing board with that. I'm still fading him. If it makes you feel any better. No, oh, fine with me. I, I, hey, I'm playing Hatton and Louis, so I have no objections. Beautiful. That means I'm gonna win in our fantasy league this week. Uh, oh gosh, that's they right. They are both. They are both on my team along with Webb and a guy. We're probably going to get to here very quick, uh, very soon, <laughs> with a wonderful course history here. Well, no, that's not true. There's That's not the guy. He'll be in my lineup, too. Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> being too cute here. Let's go to the 7Ks, and I won't read the whole list of names, but is this typical with the 7Ks in a major? There are big names. I mean, Gary Woodland at 7,500 has won this tournament. Uh, major champion at 7,600, 7,700. So you got a lot to choose from. Sky, I'll go back to you again first uh, in this large group. Is there a name that stands out to you as your favorite play? There's so many great – I mean, is it wrong me to say that I like the 7K tier more than the 8? I'll have more of them in my lineups, I think. Yeah, it's not wrong of you to say that, no. Um, I'm actually going to go all the way down to Christian Bezaden, who uh, I think that, you know, you watched him play this year. Has he missed a cut? I don't think he has. No, he's been outstanding, like all across the board, outstanding. And I think 7,200, I I just, I don't see why he's down there with how he has performed. Yeah. And I mean, if you want to just look at the masters and the PGA, a 40th and a 30th. So not the guy I was going to throw out there, but Cbez is certainly a name worth taking a peek at. Skeeter, what about you? You The only thing I'm visiting here is he's not a great, he's not great off the tee. But very putter reliant, which again, and I think he—he's South African, isn't he? Yep, he yes. is. So he fits that narrative. Um, 
I'm just going to take the uh, Sky and I, again, we're talking about this before uh, we came on. Um, you know, it's it's free square week. I mean, a few years ago, it was Matt Kuchar at 7,600. He inserted him in the lineup, and hey, congrats, it's five versus five. Um, Paul Casey is that guy now at 7,900. Just really good tee to green, really good bogey avoidance, double bogey avoidance, 200 plus yards. You know, he's just, he, you know, if he's in 8Ks, maybe that's a little too expensive, but when he's sitting here at 7,900, he's, he, I think he's the best golfer in his tier, and even in the past four years at the U.S. Open, 17th, 21st, 16th, 26th, that's kind of what you want out of somebody in the 7Ks, and I'm sure he'll be popular, but he just doesn't do anything wrong in the 7,900. It's nice to have, nice to feel like you have a little bit of safety as far as in the lineup. Well, Skeeter, I guess this is the point where I tell you who my favorite play in the 7Ks is, and you could just put it on a loop from whatever time we did it last time. It's got to be Charlie Hoffman, who, by the way, you you terrified me into thinking he didn't make this tournament when he had his terrible finish at the Memorial, Uh, but he did indeed make it into the U.S. Open, and and let's be honest, outside of the terrible Saturday at the Memorial where he shot an 80, which, by the way, I had two friends there, and I told them to go follow him around and yell stuff, and maybe that was a bad choice. So maybe they shouldn't have, and I'm sorry, Charlie, about that. But prior to that, third at the Charles Schwab, 17th, 18th, second, uh, a pair of 18ths. I mean, 17th at the players. The guy hasn't missed a cut in a while. He's been playing outstanding He's got a decent little history here at Torrey. It's not great, but he's had some good moments, and he's playing as good as he's played in a while. He was ninth here two years ago, seventh here all the way back in 2014. Now we're talking about Torrey Pines, uh, the Farmers, not the U.S. Open. But he's been playing absolutely great right now, and he's my favorite golfer on the planet. So it's Charlie Hoffman at 7,200. If you if if he's going to be a popular play, there's only one way to beat that, and that's to go 80% Seagull. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably be – I threw 80 because he's 80-1 to 1 at the book where you know I'll bet him ABC, baby. You always bet Charlie. <laughs> I'll also have, I don't know, 50% Charlie. We'll see. But obviously he's my favorite player. No, he, he does make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, he does. Tia Green approach, everything just works. As long as he can find a fairway, but he also bombs it long enough that maybe he, he can get away with that a little bit. And he is a native Southern California. This is true. I don't know what that has to do with it, but I'm going to say it. Sky, at this point, Skeeter will usually give me a couple names he likes from 7K other than his favorite. So besides Bezadenhut, are there a few names that stand out to you? I know there are because you said you like this tier a lot. Oh, I do. There's probably six or seven guys that I'm just going to sprinkle into just about every lineup I have. I love this tier. Um, The guys you mentioned, Hoffman makes a ton of sense. Paul Casey is close to a free square. I think Shane Lowry is close to a free square. Thank you. Joaquin Neiman is really under the radar. But my guy, my next guy in order would be Kokrak. I mean, he really, top 25 in greens and regulation. He's been great all year. Hasn't missed a cut. And he's 7,600. Boy, I like this tier so much. I'm with you on Lowry as well. A guy who finished second at the U.S. Open, won the Open Championship, still the reigning champion. Played really well just recently at the PGA, too. So I'm with you on Lowry. Uh, and by the way, Skeeter, you'll get a kick out of this because you got into that little uh, bet thing at the bar. Um, I, I made my girlfriend fill out two two set up, two sheets. Mm-hmm. She's got the Seagull in both. She's got Lowry. She's got Kokrak. It's like 
It's like she really just does regurgitate the names that I yell at her drunken on Sundays and Saturdays at the TV. So I looked at her lineup and I was like, yeah, that's a good one. You got Rom, you got Seagull. Yeah, that's a good lineup, hon. Um, so I thought you'd get a kick out of that as some of those names pop up here. But uh, who else do you like here? Uh, do you like the likes of Lowry and Kokrak like Sky and myself? Who else? Uh, Correct, yes. Lowry, again, I just never get him right. Um, answer pops a little bit for me. Really good, again, the bogey avoidance, fairways game. Distance is an issue. Like, that might be the one reason I don't go to him. Um, you know, I don't know what to make of him, but he just won. Higo, again, another South African. Like, he seems like he could be legit three wins in the past two months. Mm-hmm. I mean, last I checked, he, two of those wins were on the Canary Islands, and, uh, I mean... Obviously, Tory Pines can be a little bit different, but they're both on the on the coast, so maybe that's somewhere to look at. Um, and of course, the guy that you and I bet at two hundred to one, and hey, he's one hundred fifty to one right now, so we got a little bit of value. Ryan Palmer, let's go. If John Rom plays well, of course, Ryan Palmer seems to follow suit. So uh, he he has not been playing as well recently as he did to start the year, but I think he's still good for proximity for two hundred plus yards, decent key to green at seventy one hundred. I think he just kind of fits a lot of lineups. I didn't hear either of you guys mention Gary Woodland. He's been playing a little bit better and has won a U.S. Open. Does he do anything for you guys? He's fine for me. I'm not using him, but I get it. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, he makes some sense, but in that exact price range, Lowry, Kokrak, Joaquin Neiman – I much prefer those three names, and they're like the same exact price. That is 100% fair. There's a guy who's won at Torrey Pines. He finished 18th there this year. He won last year. He's finished 8th. He's an Australian. He loves to cut his own grass. Skier, why don't you like Mark Leishman, or at least why didn't you mention him? Because when he won, he made like every 40-foot putt in the world. Like he was, His putter was like on fire and... He just doesn't do anything for me. Like, I get it. I'm not going to talk you off it, but I'm not, he's not on my tier. He hasn't done anything for my lineup since the Masters, but he plays good there. He plays good here. You know I'm taking a flyer on Leishman. Can I mention, um, can I mention one more guy that's – Yeah. Uh, again, I'm, I'm apparently I'm on all Team South Africa, but Brendan Grace used to have a pretty good U.S. Open form, and he's starting to play a lot better. Like, he plays tough courses fairly well, and again, in, re- in recent – Models like 12 rounds or less. He's like top 10 in all, or in six over the last four rounds, 13th over the last eight, 12th over the, or 24th over the last 12. He can, he can scramble a little bit. Uh, his approach has been there. He's a good putter, good around the green. I think he's worth a flyer at 7,200. Just again, decent U.S. Open history and has been playing better. So I think he's worth looking, a look. I do not disagree with you actually there. Um, and he was really good until Sunday at P- at the PGA and then came off a fourth at the Memorial. So the last two times out in this type, type of field, uh, he played very well. So I won't disagree. Anybody got some love for Matt Wolf making the comeback? No. All right. I just love, I love Matt Wolf and that disgusting swing, but I'm with <laughs> you. It's probably better to watch first. Um, I can't say I've really got any names. There's names I like, but like Matt Wolf, no reason to tell you other than I like them that they're actually good plays. Any good plays here? Are we ready to go to our fade? I'm good for a fade. All right, Skeeter, throw it at me, big dog. It's Matthew Wolf. Uh, there's no idea. That's fair. 
no idea where his game is at. Um, like if if he was healthy, then yeah, I think this would be a decent decent setup for him. But until we kind of get an idea what he's like, it's seven. You know, there's just too many other people I like in this price range. You know, in the 72, 7100. Like, you know, I, I didn't mention Strillman and Ortiz. I'm looking at them. Um, I like both of them just because I like them. Yeah. But yeah, so, so until I see more, it's just no, no I'm, I'm avoiding, uh, yeah. Scott, who you got for me as a fade here? Don't do it to my boy Wolfie again. I can't. Well, I mean, I think he's kind of a clear fade, but for me, it's Bubba. You know, his U.S. Open history is really <laughs> poor, and his style of play just does not compute with the U.S. Open. So uh, there's, there's a handful of guys in this tier, as much as I love the tier, that I just won't be touching, and he, Bubba's probably the top of the list. So Bubba's interesting. I'm glad you brought him up because he kind of I kind of forgot to mention him. He's won at Torrey Pines. But I I remember in 2012 at the Olympic Club when Webb won. I think it was the Olympic Club. Maybe it was the year or two after. But well, at that point, Bubba had won a Masters or or two. Maybe I know he won in 2012. He he had won a Masters and he was just crybabying about the setup. And I thought it was. And it kind of goes back to like something Jack said. You know, you can just write him off the list. Anybody messing about the setup, you know, you yeah. you whittle it down to about 20 people. I just don't feel like Bubba ever wins a master or um, a, a, a U.S. Open, and so I'm with you. Uh, he's actually not going to be my fade, but I'm with you, and I'm glad you brought him up because we love Bubba on Bubba courses. This is a Bubba oh, yeah. course, but it's not going to be set up that way. I assume. Yeah, I think you're right on. So I like that. I'm fading Higo. The only reason I'm fading Higo is because I think he's going to be very popular. Right? People that were watching last week, they're going to look at the DraftKings points and they're going to be like, "Dang, he scores a lot more than everybody else." They're going to they're gonna see the top tens, and it's five. It pops out more than ever. Uh, everybody's – well, except for Charlie Hoffman in that area. Um, so for me, I'm fading Higo. I think the kid's going to win in the States again. He could win a major, but he's not he, – I don't think he's popping with the U.S. Open right now, and I think he'll be kind of popular, so I'm going to fade him for that reason. He's actually not real popular right now. Uh, he's still like 6% on a Monday night. Um, Man, I feel like that number's low right now. Me too. I, I think it's just got a lag effect or something. Is that is that maybe because the degenerates who are a little bit more dialed in are the ones setting lineups and the people that are casuals will be doing it Wednesday? Maybe? I don't know. That's what I feel, yeah. Well, it could be because Spieth is the lowest owned that we see, and we know that the public will be on Spieth. So there's some tr- there's a possibility there. All right, let's take it to the 6Ks. And I don't know if I have to go here if uh, – you know, I guess I guess if I load up with some ROM lineups, eventually I'll end up down here. I don't know how much I go here in this tournament. We'll see. I'll start with you guys first. We'll start again with Sky here in the 6Ks. I'll, I'll give you the choice of all of them before we steal one of these juicy tidbits here. Who's your favorite in 6K if you even have one? Man, I mean, there's a couple guys that I sort of like and I'll have sprinkled into some of the huge contest lineups. The only guy that I might play, well, I guess there's two guys I might play. I'll, I'll give you one of them in a few more than like more than a single lineup uh, is Johnny Vegas. You know, Johnny Vegas rates out pretty well, drives the ball pretty well. He has experience more than a lot of guys in this tier. So he would be where I would go if I really needed this kind of salary savings, which I don't think you need this week with all the seven K power we've got. Johnny B coming off of a T two too. I mean, uh, you're preaching to the choir a little bit with my my ticket to cash on him, so I could get some Johnny V in my life. What about you, Skeeter? Where are you going over here? I actually don't really have anybody start at 6K. Um, I think I, I'm trying to pull this back up here a minute. 
I looked at Lanto. Uh, yep. Pretty good double avoidance, good putter, but yeah, he doesn't exactly good distance, but doesn't exactly hit a bunch of fairways. Uh, one guy that Pat Mayo has kind of mentioned, and he actually was top 25 at the U.S. Open last year. I think he's playing on the Corn Ferry Tours. Taylor Pendrith. Um, he's a bomber. Is he? Okay. Yeah. He hits it a long way. Okay, well, so that, I mean, that would fit here. Um, well, I can't. Let me see. Yeah. Yeah. Bomber doesn't really hit fairways very well, but avoids doubles and pretty good for par force at 450 Again, I don't really want to come down to 6,500, but, you know, distance-wise, kind of makes sense. And he did well last year, so I guess that would be the only reason to go there. And that's, again, a whole Pat Mayo uh, tip of the hat to him on that one. So I'm not sure if I get down here either, and I like Johnny Vegas. Uh, Sky, I'm not sure if you're aware, there's also a mixed drink or a shot called a Johnny Vegas as well, which <laughs> makes him a lot of fun to be cheering for on Sundays at a bar. I can just, get behind that, man. <laughs> I was at a bar with a friend watching, I want to say it was Riviera a few years ago when Adam Scott won, and I was like, I, I had said something about Johnny Vegas, and he's like, the drink? He didn't know there was a golfer. I didn't know there was a drink. We introduced each other to two new worlds that day. It was beautiful. That's great um, Venn diagram work right there. <laughs> so I'll get on some. He's not playing great, but, man, I'm a sucker for Canadians. I love Adam Hadwin, and he's played Tory Pines pretty good. I guess if I get all the way down here, he finished 18th here in the in the, in the the winter, and he hadn't been playing good either. He's made the cut a bunch as well. Not great tournaments. And again, this is Torrey Pines Farmers, not the U.S. Open. Uh, Hadwin made the cut in two of his last three U.S. Opens but didn't play great. I don't know. I'm kind of grabbing at straws at 6,700. I don't know if I'm coming down here, period, to be quite honest. Hey, James, if it makes you feel any better, Pendrith is Canadian. I might go there then. Uh, and by the way, Skeeter, I've got to make a choice. I don't even know if I play Adam Hadwin in our league. I've got like him and two other guys I've got to determine between. So I don't even know if I play him in our league, and yet I'm throwing him out here as this uh, as this play. So I don't really know if I'm going 6K. Do you guys have anybody else you're interested in? Um, Brennan Steele kind of pops a little bit, just consistency-wise. Doesn't really do anything terribly wrong. He's 6,500, so maybe that's one. Um, by the way, if you had a choice, who would you rather play, Frankie Molinari or Eduardo Molinari? I think Eduardo's playing better right now, isn't he? I think he is, too. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Isn't that one of those, like, racing things where if you play the uh, 11 horse, you get the one horse, too? Like, don't you, don't you get them both? <laughs> you mean one and one it A? It fair, doesn't it? Yeah, something like that. As a Kentuckian, Skeeter, I probably should have got that reference way better than I did. So, wait, wait. If that's the case, can I throw Tommy in there so we have uh, Mollywood times two? No, because then they're not they're not brothers. I don't think that works there. I mean, I guess they're Ryder Cup brothers. I don't know. I'll let you have it, but Sweet. I'm sure that uh, DraftKings won't. Yeah, well. <clears throat> what about Rafa? I know you and I liked uh, him last week, and he burned us, Rafa Cabrera-Breo. Uh, but he was playing good before he missed the cut. Like, is there any uh, bounce back here, possibly? Uh, potentially. I mean, his route, like, he made a triple bogey on Friday. Apparently, that's the theme of my week. My golfers just making triple bogeys. If he, has, if he pars instead of triples, he makes a cut because that was his only bogey of the round. Um, Yeah, I, I get it. Good fairway guy, but again, just distance isn't there. And 
He does make a lot of bogeys, which just doesn't seem like a U.S. Open, uh, you know, good thing for a U.S. Open. Huh? But he's made five straight cuts at U.S. Open, so yeah, it's, he's not the worst player. What about you, Scott? You got anybody else in this uh, in this group, or have we have we ex- extinguished the six Ks? Um, I mean, there's a couple guys with like no history that I would give some thought to. I guarantee one of them will find its place. Will find his place in one lineup, and that's Chan Kim, who was oh. tied for 23rd at the PGA and is a pretty oh. talented kid. 6100 too. Uh, I also like Wilco Nienaber. I mean, he he looked really good last week at Congaree, 14th. He's got some skills, but we just don't have a ton of data. So, you know. And he's a South African, which Skeeter seems to think plays here. You could you could make an entire lineup of South Africans, couldn't you? Because he was the one that high-fived Higo after his round, right? Before. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. So yep. I was like, how come he's the only one that got a high-five? And then they said they were country mates. I was like, all right. Well, Wilco's also a bomber, too. Um, yeah, no, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, you can play an all South African lineup. You'd have about six K left on the table because I think Louis is the highest eight K. But I mean, they've just been playing well throughout the world, even in Europe. When even when um besides um besides Higo, I think Richard Bland won. I think he was South African. And some of the Challenge Tour, Louis's been playing well over here. Brendan Grace. So I mean, Charles been better this year too. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, hey, it's it's an angle. <laughs> Let me ask. It's an ang- it is an angle. I've, I've I mean, tried a lot of these maybe, angles; they haven't worked yet. Maybe Trevor Trevor Immelman must be inspiring them with, with uh, some, uh, some. Perhaps, yeah. or he's calming, or he's trying to get to. He's trying to. Like, he's letting them all know they're on audition for uh, for the uh, international team. Um, I can't. President's got like totally blank in there because he's the captain next. So, oh yeah, all right. So, so they've been talking about that on the broadcast. A lot. Everybody's from every. The international team will be Canada, South Africa. Australia and Siwoo Kim. I was going to say, keep it easy. Everybody speaks English, and then you get like an Abe answer. Abe answer speaks good English, right? Um. All right. Am I a fool? Yes. For one. Okay. That's that's a fair answer before I even go any further. But when I, okay, I like to get up in the mornings, turn on the golf channel, and I get to watch a lot of European golf before I go to work or getting ready. And when Marcus Armitage won a couple weeks ago, or Armitage, whatever, he seems like a big, goofy, just goofball, which is right up my alley as far as guys I would cheer for. You know, got all emotional when he made his first win. So now I love this guy. I I didn't even know who he was two weeks ago. I watched him cry on Golf Channel after he got handed a trophy, and now I love him. Am I a fool for wanting to play guys like this? Uh, Not in the right contest, I don't think. I mean, you want ownership offset. I mean, when we were talking fades earlier... There are performance fades, which seem fairly logical and, and, and all that. And then there are ownership fades, which I think is where you were heading with one of the guys. And I think when you get into those ownership offset situations, big contests, you do want to take some chances like that to differentiate yourself. Okay. I, I, all right. That's all I need to do to, to waste a, a, a dollar or two here. Um any any of these young guys, like I was kind of looking at U.S. Open, so maybe I'm even thinking game theory beyond even a player here, but I was looking at U.S. Open winners, and it's like Woodland's a little older, but not an old guy, and certainly still strong. Brooks, Bryson, young, strong guys. The vampire Justin Rose was a, a younger guy when he won. Like, is there an age group we're looking for? And I guess the reason I'm asking is you got like a Cole Hammer or a Strafaki in there, guys that are just uh, turning pro, like – do you even think about those guys? 
usually I would say no, but then I mean, Zalatoris was sixth last year, and he's only yeah. followed up this year with more top tens at majors. So, I mean, these guys are coming off the Corn Ferry NCAA uh, ready to play. So, I mean, if you have a gut feeling on them, why not? I mean, better than playing, you know, Thomas Aiken or Troy Merritt or, you know, some of these Brian Stewart. So, yeah. Henrik Stenson. Yeah, that'd be another one. Yeah, I'm off. I, I, that's actually my fade out of this tier is Henrik Stenson because the guy's got the name, but yep. no thanks for me. Um, anything more that we want to hit from 6K? If you guys got a, a fade, throw it out there. Usually uh, Sky Skeeter and I just make some dumb comment about some guy we've never heard of that's 6K, but uh, <laughs> I am legit fading Stenson because I did have a buddy ask me about him the other day. And I'm like, uh, you know, dude, 2016 is a long time ago. No, I mean, I, as far as fades in this tier, like you, I like you've said multiple times, I just don't know if I'm going to get down here very much. I mean, in some of the biggest contests, I'll probably throw a guy in from this tier just for differentiation purposes. But really, I mean, if I play more than four guys or five guys in this tier out of a dozen or 15 lineups, I'd be surprised. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Skeeter, you got anything more, a fade or anything you want to throw at me or... I'll, I'll go Kisner just because he's kind of made comments before about these long courses just he's not going to compete at because, hey, you know what? 20th pays still pays pretty well. I'm with you. 20th would be good at that price tag, though. Um, well, I think that hits the DraftKings angle here. Uh, Skeeter, I've already gone ahead and said my one-and-done pick is John Rahm. I've been saving him the whole time for it. I'm not wavering. In fact, I find nothing but motivation in John Rahm. Maybe, I mean, I don't truly know, right? I'm just pulling that out of my keister. But I do think that he's going to be insanely motivated and ready to go out there. Hopefully it doesn't, you know, get him too fired up in a bad way. But that's my one-and-done pick. I know it depends on how far you off on the lead, but what what are your thoughts here? I mean, I mean, obviously you want to use a big name or you want to use somebody who, thinks, who you think is going to win. Like, this is... This is not a week to use Paul Case if you think he's a guaranteed to 17th or 9th place. You want to go for somebody who will win. So for me, with that with that being said, I'm looking at either Xander or Louie because, you know, they win so much. Um, but I think they're, I think those are two guys who are going to be up there towards the end. And, you know, I'm in 2040th place in the big one and done. I need to do something very unique, and I can't imagine Louie's going to be real popular one and done. Probably not. In the league we're in, Rom's has only got 24% ownership, so I'm hoping the people that have been saving him are scared because I'm still throwing them out there. Sky, you a, you a one-and-done guy? No, I haven't done any of that yet. Uh, sounds interesting, though. It is. You pick a guy, you get what he makes that week as your total, and you, you move on from there. Uh, I was cashing earlier. I'm, I'm Tommy Fleetwood wasn't great to me last week, but it had been a slow decline, so... It is a good thing, though. We'll, we wish, we'll make sure we uh, alert you before this thing starts up next January. Please do. I'll definitely be interested. Do we have anything else about our national championship uh, here on this podcast? No, other than other than I know you guys will probably like this out uh, as in the East, Eastern time zone. I'm in the Central, but I love West Coast majors because it'll be like Bro. 6, 7 o'clock at night, and hey, they're still playing, which is wonderful. So, Skeeter. I know that we don't talk about uh, my my real job here very often, but I actually got somebody helping me cut grass now. Sky, oh, I own a lawn care business, and it's been a pain in the butt uh, lately. 
I've got somebody who came to work today, was outstanding. We got a ton of work done. I I might be at a bar stool on a Saturday evening watching golf, much less a Sunday. <laughs> I cannot wait till this Sunday. The weather it's looks the best good. news ever. Dude, it literally like I'm such like I'm such a just degenerate that I am so stoked. My poor girlfriend, like uh, she's she's like, yeah, you haven't had, you haven't forced me to go out and get uh, get drunk on a Sunday. I was like, it's coming. The national championship is coming, uh, and she likes Bryson too. So I'll be like, look, it's Bryson's def- defense of his title, babe. You got to go. So I'm with you, Skeeter. I am so stoked about a three hour late later start time. Maybe it'll be two hours, right? Maybe they'll move it up a little bit to make sure we get done before. Uh, the late night edition of 60 minutes or whatever the heck's on, but it's on I'm with you, dude. I'm stoked about that West coast start. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm celebrating father's day on Saturday this year, which is r- rare for me. So I mean, it's Sunday. I can watch the entire U S over for the first time in recent memory. So I'm excited for that. Awesome. Well, sky, you got anything more for us here? No, I think, uh, unlike you guys, I probably don't prefer that, uh, that later start time. Cause that'll, Get in the mix of all my uh, stuff that I've got going on, but hey, whatever, it'll be okay. I'll be watching anyway. Well, I just hope I just hope um, they don't cut off the uh, end of the U.S. Open or playoff to cut to gymnastics like they did for the women's U.S. Open. Dude, what a disaster! Yeah, and my, it was like a great finish too. It yes. wasn't like somebody was up by four strokes. I mean, you had uh, uh, Lexi coming back, like just just falling apart. Like it really was a great finish. Yeah, that was a disaster, dude. Yes. <laughs> Um, well, gentlemen, Sky, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, oh. definitely, uh, definitely always good to get another person's input, especially on a Monday. And, uh, you know, if, uh, if one of your big names cashes for me, uh, we'll be happy to talk again. If not, you know, I don't know. Have a nice life. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks, fellas. This is great. No, that was awesome. So Sky, thank you, uh, for joining us. Skeeter, uh, thank you for always being flexible with my awful schedule and, uh, um, it's hey. the. It's the national champion, gentlemen. It's the national championship. Let's enjoy this and let's make some money. Absolutely. I hope so because I've not made money in majors recently. So I'm I'm either due or just time to keep keep sliding on down. No, you're due, brother. We're all we're all looking on the bright side this week. So uh, good luck to everybody for uh, that has been listening. Thank you for listening as well, and gentlemen, good luck to both of you guys for Skylar Dombrowski as well as Skeeter Robinson. I'm James Adams, and this has been the Fantastics My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast.